Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got some good news for you. There are some new pumpkin spice products on the market. Okay, um, I know. I wanted to start it off on a lighter note today because we are going to get into some serious issues. What do I mean by that? Worldview, moral, cultural, social issues. That's what we're talking about. Biblical issues that many uninformed or ignorant people call political issues, and we'll explain why. Uh, in just a couple minutes. But I want to remind you, as we said on Friday, this coming week, Thursday, is uh, Bring Your Bible to School Day, October 6th. If you still have youngsters in the government-run um, brainwash camps, that's what Alex Newman now refers to them as, brainwash camps. Government brainwash camps is what they are. But anyway, um, and I don't have any strong feelings about that. My family, uh, we're all teachers. But anyway, we've, we do want to mention that. Tell your children, if they're willing to, if you want to send them out as lambs among wolves, um, give them a Bible to carry. It's, it's legal to bring that to school. Thursday. So some odd comments that are actually almost unbelievable in the last several days from VP Kamala Harris, also Pelosi on illegal immigrants. Just if Republicans said such things, it would be all over. Also wanted in the second segment today, we're going to talk about it. An article that came out over at uh, Christian Post. CNN is warning of rapture anxiety. Claims ex-Christians, former Christians, struggle with trauma over end times teaching. What's that about? Well, I have an idea where they're going with that. We'll talk to, to you about that. And also, uh, that's a little uh, update on Wisconsin School District moving to um, put sex ed in for kindergartners, and they apparently, yep, they're doing it. So we'll talk more about that. But right now, the opening story today, Maloney Baloney from the left. There's a great article over at Newsbusters that we will link to today's podcast. Um, Tucker Carlson set it up very well last week. He said, liberals call faith in God radical. Why? Because God is a rival to their power. And he said, belief in God, family, and country isn't radical, but liberal politicians and media claim that it is and warn it's fascist because these things threaten their ability to impose actual fascism. And he's referring to the election of conservative Giorgia Maloney as Italy's new prime minister. Um, great news. I mean, I've got my brother-in-law who's Canadian and Full Italian, right? He's all for her. She, she's speaking out against the left, which is why they hate her. She's not being silent and submissive. Um, and, but she's being described as far right. And as we mentioned last week, um, the new Mussolini, there's some accus harsh accusations against her. And whenever the left generally attacks somebody, when it's the media, Hollywood, progressives, Democrat, socialist, political candidates, whenever they attack someone, you know that that person is probably someone you want to support if you have a biblical worldview. We've got an audio clip I want you to hear. We're going to start off with hearing Georgia Maloney in her own words, and then Tucker Carlson will come in and just say a few comments, and we'll break this down for you. Only a few months ago, European Union bureaucrats wrote a document hundreds of pages long telling us that in order to be inclusive, we have to exclude all references to Christmas. Jesus, Mary, and all Christian names were to be removed from all official communication. Will we surrender in front of this? No, we will not. We will fight it. We will fight it standing tall. So they hate your family, they hate your religion, and you don't actually have to put up with it because it's a democracy and you're supposed to be in charge, you being the population. 
That's a radical message. God, family, country. That's not radical. It's hard to imagine a more wholesome message, a more pro-human platform. Fascists don't believe in God because God is a rival to their power. Of course. It's so scary to the people running and benefiting from our current system. And why is that? She's not the first person to say this. People have said it before, but she's just been rewarded for saying it. That's the point. The population likes it. This is what they actually want. They're not that worried about global warming. They don't want open borders. They think the woke stuff is absurd. They want to say what they think. And now it's obvious because she just won. Now, it's important to draw some parallels here to the point that the people voted for her. So we're, we're saying that oftentimes a majority of the actual hardworking people and voters and citizens of a nation do not always have the same values as the elite leftists and globalists who are in charge in the government. Do you understand that? So what's happening in Italy is, is really interesting when you contrast what happened in America in 2016 when the left thought that they were just going to coronate Queen Hillary Clinton. And here comes this outsider, Donald Trump. Well, we can't say, we can't speak for his heart, his worldview, his, his religion, his faith. We've heard different things, but we know from his policies that a lot of Bible-believing Christians were pleasantly surprised in those four years in office in what Trump actually stood for and represented and actually did. He wasn't just all words. So when someone like this that represents the people is elected, no matter what country it is, when the left throws all these accusations at him or her, you know we're on to something because this is another possible populist movement. It's not evil. It's rooted in conservative values, family values, as you're going to see. But you can understand, this is the last line in this article over at Newsbusters by Cal Thomas. He said, you can understand why secular progressives hate her and fear her message. Perhaps she will soon visit the U.S. and put some backbone into the Republican Party. I agree. We, we know there's a lot of conservatives, men and women in the Republican Party who believe in family values or pro-life. We don't hear a lot from them often. We don't hear enough resistance from them to the demonic agendas that are, that are being uh, foisted upon this great former great republic under God, uh, formerly under God. But I want to go through a couple points here in these articles about this very fascinating time in history here in America and over in Italy now. So Maloney acknowledges that American families are under attack. Uh, she says, if you want to establish totalitarian control over a country, of course you have to destroy the family first. That's why state schools brainwash your children with values that you despise. And then instruct your children to turn on you as a thought criminal if you object. That's happening. Um, so now Tucker Carlson in this article explains more. He says, wokeness is not just a political ideology. It's not something annoying that emerged on college campuses that we can just ignore. Wokeness is a state religion. There's a reason the strip bars and liquor stores and the weed dispensaries stayed open under COVID, but the churches didn't. If you don't connect those dots you're missing it. So we're going to help you connect some dots today and understand what's happening, not just in America, but in Italy. Italy. I remember that from an old movie. Italy, someone said. Um, President Joe Biden compared Italy's new and conservative prime minister, Giorgio Maloney, to Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. So when they call her a dictator, when they call her a fascist, when they call her whatever, nationalist, whatever else, you know that you're probably going to align with your biblical worldview, assuming that you who are listening believe in the Bible that is the Word of God, the inerrant, the, the scriptures that are inspired by God, written by the Holy Spirit, that that is our truth, our final authority as Christians on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we have dual citizenship. We are here on this earth for such a time as this. We are in the world, but not of the world. The Bible is our guide, and that is what we stand on for truth and for application, for faith and practice, right? So you know you're probably going to want to align with someone 
who they are attacking. Watch who are being those who are being harshly criticized, and you're probably going to end up supporting him or her. So <laughs> Maloney campaigned on God, country, and family, defense of family values, to win her place as Italy's next prime minister, and yet the left continues to paint her as a threat to democracy. Remember, just like President Donald Trump was, Maloney was elected by voters. I want to quote Matteo Renzi, ex-Italian prime minister. He's a liberal, but yet he responds to CNN and how they're treating her, who cried Mussolini at her. He said this. Now, this. let me just quote this man. Personally, I was against Georgia Maloney. I'm not her best friend. We are rivals. But she is not a danger to democracy. The idea there is a risk of fascism in Italy is absolutely fake news. So now you've got, you've got, it's all imploding, right? So you've got, this guy's a liberal. He is Maloney's adversary, but he's standing up for her. Against CNN. This is fascinating, friends. This is a very interesting moment we're at in our history, in our country, and in the world. Will there be another awakening of conservatives and family values and God and patriotism, which is a good thing? It's not a bad thing. Don't believe the media's lies or the father of lies that drives the media and the left. Now, this article over at Newsbusters. I just quoted one over at CNS News. That's the one with Tucker Carlson where we played that clip from his interview or his uh, program. Maloney Baloney from the left. Italy has elected its first female prime minister. Normally that would be cause for celebration by those who promote diversity. (laughs) This is just fun. This is fun to observe, guys. But press reaction in Europe and the U.S. is treating Giorgio Maloney as the second coming of Italian dictator and Adolf Hitler ally, Benito Mussolini. The leftist press labels those whose policies they oppose as right-wing, extremist, and in her case, Maloney's case, a woman with, quote, fascist associations and political roots. Let's uh, look at Washington Compost, the Washington Post. By the way, I recommend the Washington Times. And the Washington Examiner, if you want news and truth and and fair and balanced coverage. But the Washington Post editorial calls her a firebrand ethno-nationalist whose party arose from the ashes of post-World War II Italian fascism. Again, they're against the right. They're against God, family, country. Get that into your thinking and into your understanding when you view things from the biblical perspective, biblical morality. Uh, Remember John says, test all things, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Well, they are so anti-God and they're not trying to hide it anymore. So Maloney is passionately pro-life. Now, by the way, stop for a second. I'm not putting her up on a pedestal. I'm not saying she's... The, uh, you know, a, a hero or a model to be emulated. I don't know everything about her background and her worldview, but judging by her political statements, her speeches, her what she seems to stand for and represent, I'm, I'm encouraged by things are starting to shift. I think people have had enough with the Democrat radicals in power and the socialists trying to align themselves with the World Economic Forum and globalism and uh, against country and nationalism. So she's passionately pro-life. Uh-oh. She opposes the LGBTQ political and religious agenda. You don't think it's a religion of sex? You don't think that's a religion? At least it's a political agenda. They won't call it that, though. They just think it's all about rights. She wants to restrict immigration. Uh-oh. <laughs> no wonder Biden hates her. Uh much And the, here's what Market Realist News says. Much like many far-right politicians in the U.S., Maloney has utilized her Christian views to serve as a backbone of her politics. 
stop. Kudos to every politician that uses their biblical worldview, their Christian faith, as a backbone of their politics and policies. That's what we should be seeing. That's what they should be doing. If you are, if you believe in God, family, country, if you ever are a Christian, thank you. But they, see, they're they're coming against her. The media, the left, Democrats don't like that, and I'm calling them out, friends. It's a demonic platform. I've said it so many times at the risk of being redundant. I just said it again. So three years ago, Maloney spoke before the World Congress of Families in Verona. She began with self-deprecating humor. She said, I've just arrived. I was doing the ironing. Then I found 10 minutes to come and talk politics with you. Um, She said about her opponents and things, people that are attacking her, they said we want to go back to the past that we are losers, that we are embarrassing, that we are unenlightened. They said it's scandalous for people to defend the natural family founded on marriage, to want to increase the birth rate, to want to place the correct value on human life, to support freedom in education, and to say no to gender ideology. They say we are unenlightened. Doesn't that sound like America? Doesn't that sound like the American media, the left, Marxists, Democrats? Doesn't it? This is a great article, friends. There's a lot in here. And i am just got a couple more quotes to read. But isn't it it's interesting, kind of like Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. <laughs> this woman, God bless her, she's not shy about firing back at her critics. And I think that's what people want. Honesty, openness, have a thick skin, and you don't have to respond to every attack, but don't back down or cower. Because remember when Donald Trump started calling out the leftist, biased, socialist media in America for being fake news? Thank you, most of us were shouting at the television screens when he was calling them out and pointing them. They're fake news. They won't tell you the truth. Most of us, if you've been paying attention for any length of time, most of us were saying, thank you. So now it seems like someone over in Italy is willing to do that as well. So she also, this is interesting, she has proposed free nursery schools for mothers who work outside the home. I think that's cutting edge. I think that's awesome. Maloney also sent a response to critics who claim she wants to return Italy to the Middle Ages. She said this, quote, The Middle Ages were also the time of the cathedrals and the abbeys, the universities, the parliament, the epic of Dante, St. Francis, St. Benedict. I believe in a society where every choice has consequences and you accept responsibility for them. I reject a society where every desire becomes a right. And again, you can understand why they hate her. Fascinating, guys. Fascinating time. So there's your uh, global view of things when it comes to politics, when it comes to biblical morality. And I think we're going to title today's podcast. We've got a lot more to talk about. Um, why Democrats are against God, family, country. You might replace Democrats with leftists, progressives, liberals, socialists, globalists. Why they are all against the elites. The power elites are against God, family, and country. Um, We've got to quote, unfortunately, Kamala Harris about Hurricane Ian relief. You're not going to believe what she said if you haven't heard in the news. And I got a quote from Dr. Rick Scarborough over at Recover America. And then we're going to talk about that article, how CNN is warning of rapture anxiety and claiming that former Christians, ex-Christians, struggle with trauma over end times teaching. And whenever you hear former Christians or ex-Christians, parenthetically insert, maybe they weren't converted in the first place because Either they fell away or they were never truly born-again believers. A lot more coming up to ruffle the left's feathers and to proclaim the truth and defend sanity on Stand Up for the Truth next. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. I want to encourage you to go to our resources at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Over 200 where you can get good sources of information, where you can get biblical worldview, um, great ministries, men and women of God who are standing for truth in culture, in, in the ministry, um, and you can get news, good news there, and you can just follow a lot of those uh, sites as well. That's over 200 resources, just one word, resources, at the top of Stand Up For The Truth. So let's talk politics for a minute. Recover America's Dr. Rick Scarborough. we got to get him back on the podcast. It's been a while, but I know he's so busy. He just spoke at the Liberty Pastors Conference in, I think, the one in Texas, or wait a minute, Arkansas? Um, Idaho is where they're going this month. Um, he said, this country will not survive two more years of decline at the rate of the last two since he indicating since Biden was elected. He said, citizens of our republic have been locked up in a, sol- in a solitary confinement since last January 6th without a hearing. There are citizens in jail he was referring to. There are American citizens who were at the white or the uh, Capitol January 6th. They didn't have a hearing, but yet there, some are still in jail. And then Scarborough continues, quote, while criminals walk out of jail without bail for bludgeoning seniors in our major cities where Soros, George Soros, funded DAs, district attorneys, routinely peddle equity in our jails by letting felons with dozens of previous arrests walk free. One party rule isn't working unless the purpose is to end our constitutional republic. And then he said, please join our efforts to raise awareness to get Christians to the polls next or in November. Actually, it is next month. This is October. Um, and vote like followers of Christ, not like those who are ignorant of the biblical values and what the Bible teaches. Vote like true followers and disciples of Jesus Christ and his word. Um but I want to just say something. We've mentioned this in the past about Kamala Harris during the Black Lives Matter riots and violence and destruction of, of entire city blocks and the, the murders and the police cars blown up, some precincts taken over by the left, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Global Network Foundation, and others, radicals, just social justice activists. Felons were bailed out of jail by Kamala Harris. This was before she was selected to be Biden's VP. You know what side they're on, friends, and it's lawlessness. The Bible talks about lawlessness and godlessness in the last days. And this is who a lot of people that are in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our churches are voting for. And this is what's happening. So remember that big midterm election elections coming up. So to give us some perspective, I want to go back before I read the CNN article. I want to go back to First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it goes on. So now let's talk about the end times and what we, we believe and what we're, what's being put out by this article at the Christian Post. Now I'll say this, I, I, about 10, maybe more years ago, 12, 15, um, I, I used to like the Christian Post. There are still some good articles and some good contributors there. 
but it's gone left, progressive, social justice, and and everything that you would expect. Um, and I'm not going to put that label over everything that's written there, but be careful. Test all things when you even read some Christian outlets, and now, unfortunately, you have to put Christian in quotes. But this article says CNN warns of rapture anxiety. Could teaching what's described in the Bible as a blessed hope, as we just talked about in First Peter, could that actually be a source of trauma, of anxiety? An article at CNN um, with the headline, For some Christians, rapture anxiety can take a lifetime to heal. That was over at CNN, apparently. And um, it depicts the eschatological doctrine of the imminent return of Jesus Christ for his church as a, quote, chronic problem, end quote. Understand, that's what we believe, friends. We align, I hope you do too, with the doctrine of imminency. His return is the next prophetic event on the calendar, on the timeline, God's timeline. Um, So the article describes the teaching as recognized by some faith experts and mental health professionals as a type of religious trauma. I just read a quote. I'm not making this up. So it features a stock photo with the caption, Some Christians develop fears related to teachings of the rapture. (laughs) The article profiles two women who have battled so-called rapture anxiety. Have you ever heard of this? Including April Ajoy, who recalled waking up to a quiet home as a 13-year-old girl and fearing she had missed the prophetic end times event. I don't, I don't know that I've ever woken up in the morning and thought, did I miss the rapture? <laughs> you did once, Steve. Um, the article reads in part, her mind began churning, trying to remember, trying to make plans. When was the last time she had sinned? Should she, should she refuse the mark of the beast? At least she thought if she was to put if she was put to the guillotine during the time of tribulation, it would be a quick death. Are you kidding me? Oh my! And I guess what she's thirteen years old. So describing the event as when righteous Christians ascend into heaven, while the rest are left behind to suffer. CNN adds, "Quote: However it happens, it is something to be both feared and welcomed, to be prayed about and prepared for." Every moment of a believer's life. Now, I agree, I agree with the second part. I mean, not every moment. We don't have to stress about it or have anxiety about it, right? By faith, we are saved and we have the assurance, thank God, of eternal life. We don't have to stress about it. We know it's coming. So that should affect how we live now. Not that we fear what's coming or what's going to happen. No, we have not been given a spirit of fear, have we? No. Power, love, sound mind. But we understand that we better get this message out to people who do not believe. If we love them, that's part of loving your neighbor, friends. No matter what they think of you, no matter what they call you, telling them the truth and telling them that they could be saved as well. And it's not up to you how they receive the message or if they receive it. So then there's another woman down in Georgia. Her name is Chelsea Wilson. Um, She told CNN that she grew up in an evangelical community and believed the end times teaching was like a scary campfire story. Well, to be honest, if you're ignorant about the Bible and what it teaches, you're going to read a lot of stuff in... I don't know, the Old Testament, (laughs) the prophets, (laughs) Revelation. It might be a little scary for those who aren't saved, aren't converted. They don't discern spiritual things. How can they possibly understand what the Bible might be teaching? So, yeah, it's probably scary to some of them. A scary campfire story. CNN points to social media chatter from ex-evangelicals. Now, you've heard this group, right, ex-evangelicals. I'm not even sure. Let me stress God knows their hearts. I'm not even sure they were saved to begin with. If they were truly converted and then fallen away, um, that brings up the debate about once saved, always saved. But if you're truly converted and understand what you were saved from 
and the blessed hope and the returning what what of Jesus, what we get to look forward to, the promises. I I know how you can be disillusioned with life. I know how you can have regrets about your choices. I know how you can have a dislike or even a hatred for this world. But to turn your back on Jesus and deny the faith, you must not have believed the Bible was true to begin with. Anyway, that's for another discussion. So they're calling this group ex-evangelicals. Now, these are apparently former Christians who have turned to unbelief, who were subjected to, quote, violent rapture-themed films. Gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to read this with a straight face because it is serious to those who are destined for hell and are going, if they don't repent and turn to Jesus, uh, perhaps for the first time. But they're calling this group ex-evangelicals. So violent rapture-themed films. Are they talking about, I don't know, Kevin Sorbo's films, Kirk Cameron, are they talking about God's Not Dead? I guess not. They must be talking about Left Behind. (laughs) Crying themselves to sleep, thinking about people and pets that would be left behind when the end finally came. Okay, this is interesting. If you're thinking about that, yeah, we might have sorrow now, but once we are on the other side, we will not have sorrow. There is no tears and, and and sorrow and grief. It, that's all removed, and that's in one of the later chapters in Revelation. There will be no more tears in heaven, no more sorrow, no pain. Um, and we will not remember the sadness and the sorrow. We will not have the capacity to remember because this earth is filled with sin and sickness and disease and trauma and everything else. Heaven contains none of those things. So we will be renewed, and we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are in that process even right now. So the article, which was not categorized as an opinion piece on CNN's website, the Communist Network Now uh, website, uh, it also appears to take aim at evangelical churches by describing the rapture as a fringe teaching of dispensational premillennialism. Fringe. That's what the remnant Believe is probably a camp many of you, many of us are in, but adding that such teaching is not prevalent in Catholic or mainline Protestant denominations. And then it mentions the Episcopal Church. (laughs) And then it mentions Presbyterianism. And yeah, so, and you might as well bring up the Unity Church and the Universalists and all that. I mean, Gosh, you can go down the road of some churches that are that have some very interesting doctrines um, who have fallen off, who have departed for a long time. But the analysis and its impact on believers, a CNN reached out to a, the president and CEO of Global Center for Religious Research. It's a non-religiously affiliated academic society and publishing house. His name is um, Darren Slade. The website states, quote, certain religious contexts have also been responsible for a number of traumatic experiences for people all around the globe. And that rapture anxiety is a real thing and it's a chronic problem. Maybe I'm minimizing this and I don't mean to, friends, if you know someone that has not been able to grasp end times teachings and the understanding of Bible prophecy and, and looking at it as a thing that would be a chronic problem or that would produce anxiety. Um, and I'll just remind you, you know, we should probably go there. Let's just go over and read a couple of verses from 1 John chapter 2. Um, if you're having this anxiety with teachings on the rapture, let me just share a little bit of, from 1 John chapter 2. It just came to mind. So he's writing to, when he says little children, he means young believers. He's writing to believers in Christ. Um, verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, if you love the world, you're going to have a hard time letting go of things of this world, thinking you're going to be in heaven for eternity with Jesus, worshiping the Savior. <laughs> um if you think you're going to have a hard time letting go of that, you don't have a full understanding of what it will mean to be 
redeemed and fully redeemed in our resurrection bodies and new bodies and our spirits live on forever in, in amazing peace and worship with the Savior, with God, the Creator, as it was meant to be. So do not love the world nor the things in the world. Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from this world. And then it says in verse 17, The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the the one who does the will of God continues to live forever, abides forever. So let's keep it in perspective, friends. Um, I'm disappointed. I'm one of those that I, I, we're a dog-loving family. At one time we had four, and we rescue dogs. We love them. Um, I know there's animals. There will be animals in heaven. I don't believe our personal pets will be there, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because um, only human beings can be converted and saved to make a conscious um, you know, profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to forgive your sins. Um, Animals will be in heaven, but you know that's just just me. I hope, like I said, I hope I will see um, Digger, Ginny, Jesse, Jonah, Gracie, <laughs> and so many others. Um, that's our dogs. So I'll put this article up. We only have two minutes left in this segment, but it's interesting to think about. And I want to be compassionate. I don't want to be callous toward people who are possibly sincerely struggling with rapture anxiety or things like that. But I think we just need to get into the word more, friends, and into the truth and have that secure. We have the assurance that the world does not understand. So it's a new area of study, they say. Um, but and this, is the guy, this guy says, I need to confess my sins so often. But he, on his website, he acknowledges that the academic study of religious trauma remains in its infancy when compared to other studies in mental health. So... There's no empirical data to support what we've seen and experienced in tens of thousands that religious trauma exists and is a chronic problem with many religions. By the way, it is. Um, there's been abuse. There, I'm not. That we have, you have to separate this doctrinal anxiety with the last days of the end times teachings with literal religious abuse or abuse about power or pride or sexual abuse within a religious context or what Islam uh, abuse of women and things like that. So there is abuse among religions, but I wouldn't put everybody in the the camp that all religion does it. So um, it comes down to the word harpazo, doesn't it? Um, Known as the rapture. So 1 Thessalonians 4.17. We'll move on to some other articles when we come back. This is just a fascinating idea that we had to discuss on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So they refused to leave children alone. The Wauwatosa School Board in Wisconsin met um, last week, I believe, to consider a motion to rescind sex ed curriculum that was passed in August. Um, it teaches medically accurate terms in elementary school as well as lessons on gender identity. Um, Their new human growth and development curriculum will expect kindergartners to know certain body parts that I am embarrassed repeating the names of on this podcast. Male and female parts. The committee that created the curriculum, now this is for kindergartners, um, says that research shows kids who know the correct names for their genitals are less likely to be sexually abused are more likely to report abuse if it happens and have a positive body image and a higher self-esteem. That's Fox News reporting, and that's right here in Wisconsin. Read the full article. Um, We'll put that. Oh, by the way, here's another one over at Town Hall. Transgender Day of Visibility. That happens every year. You know there's a calendar, right, for what public schools celebrate, the perverse, uh, the calendar of corruption, I would call it. It's in the public schools. They have a calendar. Of, I mean, it's not just Pride Month, right, in June. It's, it's LGBT history, and then there's everything, you know, imaginable. There's a day of silence, right? There's, it's a lot of indoctrination. So this is in – it's a pretty big school district in Wisconsin, in Wauwatosa. But just to tell you, this is not going away. One more story here real quick on the 
on the education aspect. By the way, check out our new show called Educated. You can go to educated, stayeducated.org, stayeducated.org. Manitowoc teachers told not to, not to give opinion on controversial issues. Stop! They've been giving their opinions on controversial issues for decades across the country. So I'm thankful. It seems like maybe they have good intentions to come out with this in this particular school or district in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. They're saying, teachers, you're not supposed to give opinions on controversial issues. Where were you 40 years ago? Where were you 20 years ago? When they've groomed a generation of social justice activists, where were you? You're not supposed to give your opinion. You're supposed to teach. Actually, you're supposed to lay out the information and guide your students on how to think. But schools, as we know, fact, have been telling kids what to think. Thank God, you know, some of us were raised in a decade, many decades ago, when we were actually given both sides of a story or an event. So back to Manitowoc. There, after a vote, a unanimous vote by the school board, um, it led to some to some debate on social media. They say the students will still engage in controversial discussions in the classroom. Stop. Now we've got to define controversial. What do they mean by that? Right? What do they mean by that? Well, Christianity, faith is controversial. But yet, we've done stories on this podcast where in the public schools they're doing mindfulness meditation. That's Buddhist driven meditation in public schools. What about teaching the five pillars of Islam? They've allowed that in several, if not many, public schools, but don't allow Jesus, ABC culture, anybody but Christ, or anything but Christ. So what do they mean by controversial? Well, anything to do with the biblical worldview. The Ten Commandments are now controversial. So Manitowoc School Board member Tony Vlastelica said, Teachers and staff can certainly have an opinion. I don't think anyone here is saying you can't have an opinion on these issues. I think it's in the classroom time is, is not the appropriate time to share those opinions. So I agree with him. Um, he wanted to make that distinction. Um, he said, I've seen some comments on social media that we're not allowing teachers to have an opinion. <laughs> well, they have opinions, man, I'll tell you. Especially if they went to public universities, they have opinions and I'm throwing this number out there. They are 90% leftist, progressive, globalist, or Democrat socialist leaning opinions. You can take my word for it, or you can go look up, you know, what the worldview issues are. By the way, I've left this on my desk, but there's this article I've got. Now only 2% of the faculty at Harvard University are conservative, according to a recent poll. 2% 2% conservative. So whose opinions do you th- they think are being taught? By the way, Harvard, going back to 1692, since I brought up Harvard, their original motto was in a shield, and around it were three, uh, three words. Um, it said, um, truth for Christ and the church. Veritas, veritas Christo et Ecclesiae. Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae. It means truth for Christ and the church. What did they do? 150 years later, that was, I think, um, 16, let's see, 1693, 1836. In 1836, they removed Christ, they removed church, and if you look on their motto today, there's a shield that just says Veritas. Really? Really? As Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? What are they teaching? If 2% are conservative, they're absolutely against the God, family, country that we started off this podcast talking about. Back to the Manitowoc School District. (laughs) Um, uh, Controversial issues cover four categories according to the district. Ready? Politics, religion, social studies, and economics. Okay, so let's break these down here. So again, the headline they're telling now, after all these decades, some, and God bless them for having good intentions, but I think they might be a little naive. I hope I'm wrong. Some teachers told not to give opinion on controversial issues in the classroom. Uh, politics. Okay, so they no longer can openly support the Democrat Party. The NEA, the school unions and teachers unions, and 85 
percent of teachers roughly support the Democrat Party in votes and in donations. You can look it up. The, the NEA, the teachers unions, the government controlled teachers unions and schools have been sponsoring. They've endorsed every Democrat candidate for president since Jimma Carter in the early 1970s. You can go look that up. Okay, so who, whose worldview when it comes to politics have they been teaching all these years? And all of a sudden, a few schools are saying, all right, all right, we've had enough, which I'm thankful that they've had enough, if they've really had enough. So that's politics. What about religion? Oh, by the way, abortion is a political issue, so they can't talk about pro-life issues. But that means they can no longer endorse Planned Parenthood and give Planned Parenthood information out. By the way, Planned Parenthood writes the sex ed curriculum for schools across the country. Did you know that? Planned Parenthood writes sex ed curriculum that is in public schools. Why do you think they would be invested in sex ed curriculum? Connect the dots, friends. I'm trying to help you so you know how to respond to these things when they come up in the news or or when you have discussions on the public schools. So that's politics. What about religion? I just explained a little bit about religion. What about, oh, here's one coming up. They're going to remove God, right, Jesus and the Bible, and no more prayer in 1962-63, voluntary prayer or Bible reading, no more, no more in public schools. That's been since the 60s. But now, what about Wicca? What about the occult? You know there are literally Harry Potter lesson plans. You can look up on the NEA website. There's Harry Potter lesson plans. They're teaching witchcraft, occultism, based on the Harry Potter brand, all the, the films and the books. Did you know that? And here's Halloween coming up at the end of the month. You know, they, what do they do in public schools when it comes to Halloween? Isn't that religious? To you and I, there's a demonic background. There's an occult history when it comes to the celebration. I use that word, celebration of Halloween. You can celebrate the light or the darkness, my friends, but you cannot do both. So that's religion. Wicca. Wicca. Occultism. Did you know that they have their own 501c3? That's right. The uh, Wic- in- Wiccan Interfaith Council of Religion or whatever it's called. But it's Wicca. It's witchcraft. It's occultism. They filed and received a nonprofit status, and they can go into the public schools and say, all right, we can tell you about Wicca and Wiccism. We have that right. Wiccans, witches, Harry Potter, witchcraft, zombies, all this stuff. They talk about it. So apparently now with this policy, uh-oh, teachers can no longer give an opinion on religion. Uh, so what about social studies? And what about economics? Well, let's just skip to economics for now. We're running out of time. Socialism. Socialism. That's an economic principle. So they're not going to push socialism. They're not going to criticize capitalism and the free market system anymore in the classrooms. Anyway, I, I hope, again, I hope more schools will do something like this if they mean. How are you going to follow up, though? This just brings up a lot of different questions. Who's going to police this? How Are you going to have our students going to be told this? Now, you can talk about anything, but your, your teacher can't talk about it. If they do report them, do you think kids are going to report their teachers? How are they going to uh, keep track of this? Well, I think it's great. Um, the idea is great, but it's a little too late, friends. It's way too late if you're a Christian family. And I know a lot of you who've had sons or daughters go through the public schools. You know what they did. You know what the result was in most cases. There are cases where kids escaped um, without having abandoned all of their faith entirety, entirely. But anyway, uh, the reason this came about apparently in this case was a parent spoke out at school board meetings across the country, remember, during COVID-19. They were asking for a little more control over what was being taught in the classroom. Parents told, none of your business, right? Well, parents were upset about that. But um, now they understand that something has to be done. Again, it's a system. The system as a whole, it cannot be redeemed. Impossible. But you can make inroads. You can do certain policies like this, hopefully. Um, I'm not sure all teachers would go along with it, though. They're going to probably thumb their nose and say, you're not going to tell me I can't talk about whatever policy. So a um, couple more things real quick. I told you I'd get to that Kamala Harris quote. Um, Vice President Kamala Harris um, 
was hammered recently, at least by some, in a speech where she described that federal Hurricane Ian relief money would be based on equity and would prioritize people in communities of color. They would get the money first. Did, doesn't, do natural disasters affect everybody equally? Yes. Do you see what they're doing? This is really unbelievable that the vice president claims humanitarian aid for Florida will be handed out based on equity. Equity is not equality, friends. There's a hierarchy of equity. So uh, she spoke last week at the Democrat National Committee Women's Leadership. That was actually Friday. And she said that people of color and low-income communities are most affected by natural disasters. I understand. Now, economically, I understand that if you're already at a low-income place, I understand you're going to be hurting. But that doesn't mean that our people that are that have a good job and that have a good home, they're not living in an apartment or whatever, that they're not going to be affected. Oh my goodness, they all need relief. So how about we cover everybody? We we um, do that. Um. So Fox News, uh, Governor DeSantis has a rapid response. Director Christina Pushaw, she said. This is false. The VP's rhetoric is causing undue panic in Florida because some people in Florida are going, wait a minute, what about, what about my house that just got demolished? Is that person's apartment more important than my house? I mean, you could debate all this, but they don't want to get to that point. So she said FEMA individual assistance is already available to all Floridians impacted by Hurricane Ian, regardless of race or background, and that's important. Okay, one more thing because we're out of time. Speaker Pelosi claims illegal immigrants are needed in Florida to pick the crops. If a Republican or conservative or someone else said this, it would be front-page news. They would be ran out of town or at least voted out of office. But New York Post, Speaker attempted to justify waves of illegal migration to the U.S. by claiming Florida farmers needed the new arrivals to pick the crops down there. She literally said this. Quote, we have a shortage of workers in our country. And you see, even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers are saying, why are you shipping these immigrants up north? We need them to pick crops down here. Is Does that sound a little racist? Or, you know, it's pretty amazing. So Fox News, U.S. historic border crisis has now seen more than 2.1 million migrant encounters this fiscal year alone. More than 200,000 migrant encounters in August of this year alone. And they're pouring across the southern border. And Pelosi says, don't you dare send them up north. They belong to Texas or New Mexico or Southern California or whatever. Oh, Lord, help us, guys. Help us. All right. Tomorrow, um, we're going to talk about Freemasonry with a pastor in Illinois whose father was a Freemason. So our guest tomorrow, Pastor John Pinnell of Lake Villa, Calvary Chapel. We've got uh, Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, Jensen on Wednesday talking about his book, Traced. Brad Matz, and that's on Thursday, and John Haller, Bible Prophecy on Friday. Thank you, guys. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.